Okay, Boker Tover in the Gemara Moed Katan Yud Ches Amad Beis. We just finished discussing the idea of why you are allowed to write a, a document um, for uh, for engagement purposes, even though it's a Malach and Cholamoyed. And we said Shema Yikta Meno Acher, lest someone else chaparain and take the woman that was meant for him, and. Uh, it could cause all kinds of problems. And then we mentioned uh, the idea that 30 days before or at conception, it's already determined who's going to marry who. But you know what? If you pray hard, you can get things to be changed. So uh, that's how we ended it. And now Shelly is going to share a question from Tony Simcover. About writing. About writing. I don't really understand the whole rule about not being permitted to uh, write on foam line. My impression is that the general rule that you're not allowed to write is because it is assumed that writing is not related to the holiday. But if we are diligent only to do activities that are permitted on foam line, then automatically whatever we are writing will be permitted anyhow. For example, the rabbi says we are permitted to to do food shopping, and therefore we are also permitted to make a shopping list. I believe we are permitted to play Scrabble, and therefore we should be permitted to keep score, etc., etc. I do not understand why we need a general rule of not writing it. In other words, anything you're going to do... So Tony Simcover is asking, why should there be any prohibition of writing? Because if whatever you're going to do you're allowed to do anyway, so can't you write accompanying it? Exactly. So again, um, that you could that question you can ask about anything, True. anything that you're not anything that you're not allowed to do. There's a lot of things you're not allowed to do, but if you're if you have an exemption, then you're exempted. Yeah, but there's but the whole point is it's only when there's exemptions. If we wouldn't have to worry about exemptions, then Cholamoid would be a regular working day. A regular working day. And there's a lot of things we write that are not in the spirit of Cholamoid. A lot of things we could write. And part of that is work. Part of that is work. Again, this is the problem we have, that people are so used to assuming that work is permitted. Again, it really isn't. And therefore, all the acts, so let's say your job is a job that requires writing. You're a secretary. So you're not supposed to work on Cholamite. And you're not supposed to be write things down. Ah, now we've, some people have the leniency. If they don't work, they'll get fired and lose their jobs or things like that. But like I've said many times, it's been abused. And just because it's abused doesn't change the halacha. Okay, so just like whatever, you're not allowed to, you know, you're not allowed to build things. Well, what if I really need it? Am I not allowed to build it? What if there's a, you know, I'll any uh, home renovations. I'll call them like, yeah, but what if the leak, uh, the roof is leaking and I'll have a damage? Okay, that you can do. Well, I'm only going to do things that I'm allowed to do anyway. So (laughs) that would be, that logic would be, I don't know why I made anything awesome, because we're only going to do what we're allowed to do. Guess what? We see historically people did more than what they were allowed to do. 
and and they uh, based it on very weak heterin. So therefore, you know, yes, you're not allowed to write. Well, what what would I writing would I do at work? And therefore, you're not supposed to go to work. That's all there is to it. Therefore, you don't. Uh, I give you another example. Let's say you're in university and they give you a test to write. You cannot take the test because it's not in the spirit of Kolomoid. Ah, oh, but if I don't take it, I'm going to fail the course. No, you're allowed, you're entitled to have religious excuses. And even if the uh, the secular Jewish professor says that's not really a holiday, you know, you tell him you're incorrect. The law is, and I've had to write letters years ago for people to say no they can't but what's going on the students they don't want to do a makeup on the test they want to take the test and get it over with but that's not in the spirit of colomoid going to school is not in the spirit of colomoid you're supposed to take off like oh it's harder well too bad that was the whole thing i've been uh, talking about people don't think colomoid is a moed so if you're coming from that perspective and you've trashed all the halachas, so what do you want? So uh, therefore, the message right there. no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing you. What kind of class in university? What we said this, you taking notes because that is enabling you to learn. You are supposed to learn on holomoid. That this is what you're supposed. Really, you should be learning as much as you can on Cholomoid. So you're learning, you want to write it down to make sure you remember it. That for sure is allowed because that's, first of all, part of the learning process. And you and if you don't write it down, you'll forget it. And there's no greater loss than that. But that's for something of a spiritual nature. But just to write things like as going to work, writing, and that's really what writing is for as a malacha. So you're not allowed to do it. So the Torah's question, I mean, you could say, okay, you shouldn't be playing Scrabble, but aside from that, if you're playing Scrabble, Scrabble isn't writing, first no, of all. No, but if you're keeping score, his point was, now you got to write the game. So play a game, you don't have to keep score. Of all the games in the world, you have to pick the game that you have to keep score. There's like 100,000 games to play, right? No, you don't have to take the one where we keep score. Play Monopoly. Well, you don't have to keep score. I mean, like, I, I don't understand. You don't write, so you, you pick a game in which you don't have to write. Writing is a weekday activity. So pick a game, it's not a, a, a weekday activity. No, I'm just saying. So, it, it, it's, so if one is sensitive to aloha, then yes, there are exceptions that are allowed. Yes, you have to write a list. You, you, you're shopping for yontif. It's important you don't forget the oregano, or else your wife will really be upset that it won't taste the way it's supposed to taste. So you write it down so you won't forget it. That's okay. That's part of, we want it to look like it's a moed. And in a moed, Hashem says, listen, this is just like yontif, with the exception, I'll let you do whatever you need to do to prepare food. I want you to enjoy yontif. So do what you need to prepare food. Do what you need so that means a lot of things. And do what you can do to have some kind of synagogue that's necessary. So guess what? If you want to drive to the hotel, want to drive to shul, want to drive, 
You're allowed to do that. But it's all in the spirit of focusing on a spiritual connection with Hashem. And all the other things are not permitted. So anyway, I think that's that's the answer. That's not, it's not only writing. He could have asked the question on any of the malachas. On any of the malachas. You could, if uh, uh, a door is dang, dangerously dangling from a thing and someone's going to get hurt, of course you have to fix it, right? But uh, things that are not necessary, the writing is not permitted. Okay, very good. I'm glad we cleared that up. We now are going to continue with this idea of uh, what is the source that Hashem is involved in uh, making Shidduchim. There's a Medrash that says there's a Basco, but comes along... Amarav Mishum Rav Ruven Ben Itztraboli. Okay, he comes along. This rabbi says, this idea that one's wife is selected in Shemayim, we see this, Min HaToyra, Min HaNavim, Umin HaKsuvim. And Hashem Isholeish. We can derive from three parts of Tanakh, that it's from Hashem, a woman is assigned to a man. So even though there's a medrash, you know, Chazal said it, but they had to base it on some sources. Well, Mina Torah, from the Torah, we had that a couple weeks ago, anybody remember? Well, how many Shaduchim have we had so far? Not too many Shaduchim. It's, it's either Yitzchak Shidduch or Yaakov Shidduch. It's the only two. So these are the words of Lavan. No less of a source. Vayan Lovin of Besuel, Lovin and Besuel responded after Eliezer made the pitch, so to speak. Vayomer, they said, May Hashem Hadavor. The matter has come from Hashem. Obviously, Hashem arranged this. You said how you were at the well, and she was one willing to give so much water. So obviously, it came from Hashem. So that's one idea. Minanavim. From the prophets, Tichsev. This is now with Shimshon, also was a Shidduch. And he wanted a particular girl that was not necessarily the finest woman that parents would want. But, Ve'aviv ve'imo lo yodu ki Hashem hi. His father and mother did not know it was from Hashem, even though he wanted to marry a certain plishti woman. And they didn't really think it was good, but they weren't aware that this was already Shimshon's mate from the time of his conception. And this was all part of God's divine plan to afflict the plishtim. Remember, this was not a, this is not something that you practice at home. This is something that Hashem, this already been vision, envisioned from Yaakov's prayer to uh, Don. And where Hashem wanted Shimshon to be uh, to punish the Plishtim, but not as a Jew, so to speak, but as an assimilated Jew Palestinian. So the idea was, and this was all obviously had prop, there was prophecy for this, and therefore the Jews knew Hashem knew if the Jews would um, retaliate against the Plishtim. Plishtim were way too strong and would wipe out the Jews. So it was that Shimshon was a, what do you call the word? Um, a maverick. 
and uh, therefore, he, he, if he married out, he certainly couldn't be a loyal Jew, and he always made everything to be, it was a personal issue. Now, Goyim fight with Goyim all the time. That's nothing new. <laughs> you have mafia gangs. <laughs> it has nothing to do with one country against country. It's a family against a family. So, uh, so uh, Shimshan had his mafia family attacking other mafia families. So they couldn't go after the Jews. So therefore, it was from Hashem that he should marry this Philistine girl. Dangerous for people to use and say, "Hey, you see that? You know, he had a prophecy." God, yeah. God said, "Oh, I should marry this." No, it's all there was a there was a malach, a malach who came. There's a nevuah from Yaakov Avinu. That's you know, we we are not entitled to do this. If you, you can, if I just ask you, you're intermarrying for a reason. Tell me which prophet said you can do it, then I'll agree. That's all. Yeah, it's something called Horah Shah. There's emergency measures that need to be, uh, oh, I guess uh, we can always bring a, a Corbin on Obama because Elio did. I guess, why do I have to go to Yerushalayim? Elio didn't go. <laughs> that was by a prophecy. When it's a prophecy, we can't worry about, well, people will learn. You know, that's, it, there's no end to this. If people want to err, they, they don't need any sources in the Torah. They'll make up their own. At the end of the day, they want to intermarry. Imagine, if someone's trying to intermarry now, they'll say, well, Samson did. Yeah. Believe me, and if Samson didn't, they still would do it. It's all... Okay, so the Torah says, we're not going to change what has to happen just because people will now use it to justify. It has to be a, it has to be a prophet. It can't just be... It was a, a prophet. Yaakov prophesied it. He prophesied it. A malach said, your son's going to be different. Clearly. So, and Shimshin himself was a prophet. So that's a lot of differences. So, in a, Queen Shiduf of Esther What? Queen Esther. Same thing. She was, a, she was a prophet also. But that was not Min That We don't have a source that says it was Min Shemayim per se. Here it's Mamish says, the Torah says, the lo yadu ki hashem he. It's a direct. You could have other instances, but it's not directly saying those words. And finally, I mean, aksuvim. What about the aksuvim? <coughs> it says in Mishlei, bias vahon nachlas avos. A house and wealth are an inheritance from fathers. Umiya hashem isha maskalas. But an intelligent woman, meaning the one you're going to marry. Is from Hashem, and that's a whole section in Mishlei where it talks about the difference between the intelligent woman and the immoral woman, and you got a choice which wife. You want to know what, what qualities you want to find in a wife? You learn say from Mishlei. We'll tell you exactly what you should have. That says a wife is from God, while a house and property are not. Now that's a little bit of a problem over here, because this pasuk seems to go against the Gemara Nida that says Hashem decides whether you'll be rich or poor. So it seems to be a contradiction. So Marshall answered, besides the decree at one's conception, it's also possible to attain wealth as an indirect consequence of a decree relating to someone else, meaning an heir gains property when it's ordainly, uh, divinely ordained for someone to die. This is in contrast to an intelligent wife who comes only by way of the decree issued at one's conception does not change. People also 
get wealthy sometimes, not through inheritance, just because whatever. Well, that would be ordained. That's what he's saying. This is. No, he's saying sometimes it could be because someone was supposed to die. Uh, you, you could have other examples. You could have, but clearly the the default position is Hashem decides if you're going to be rich or poor. That's that's the basic idea. Okay, there could be. There's always things that can adjust. You know, the prayer and things where you can change the mazel. Hashem says this is the general mazel, but then you can always do things to change the general mazel. Okay, so now. Uh, since we've quoted from a very unusual source where we had Rev Ruvain Ben Itztraboli, which I don't think you've ever heard of such a name before. So I guess whatever else he has to say in Shas, we'll put it into this thing, even though it's not related to the topic. Again, for Amrile and some say the Masnisa Thomas taught in Abraisa. Amar Abruven ben Yitzraboli, Rabun the son of Yitzraboli said, "Ein Adam nechshad bedavar ella in Cain also." A person is not suspected of something unless he has done it. In other words, there's a rumor that circulates amongst the community. We'll see. The Gemara is going to qualify this. Obviously, not every rumor is true. But there is a certain type of rumor that if it's very strong out there, he's probably done something very close to that. And if he didn't do it completely, he did a little bit of it. And even if he didn't do a little bit, he was thinking of doing it. And Hashem will punish you for certain evil thoughts by arranging a suspicion to come around the person. So in other words, let's put it this way. I don't think they ever suspected Ramosha Feinstein of immoral activity. I don't think anybody, no matter, and he had enemies, but they, they, they can't, you can't, you can't suspect him of that. You know, and sure, he never thought of that and they wouldn't expect it. But if they will suspect someone, even if he didn't do it, but as uh, the infamous Jimmy Carter said, I have lusted in my heart. That was his famous Playboy magazine, uh, um, what do you call it, interview. I've been a loyal husband, but I really thought about other women. So um, at least he's honest, because I'm sure every guy does that. But whatever. So what I'm saying, so if even though you didn't do it, but you know, why, why, but that still is an Avera. Again, we're not talking about ideas that pop in your mind and you push them out. No ideas that you really ruminate over and you really, person has a whole um, fantasy in his mind of having an immoral relationship with somebody, that's an Avera, okay? And he's cultivating. So then, it, don't be surprised that there's rumors about him that he's done that because Hashem will now circulate the rumors to make a punishment for him, okay? And let's go further. And even if he isn't even thought of doing it, but but he sees others do it and he is also glad he will be suspected of that as well. All right, that makes a lot of sense. So again, some of it is natural. Some of it is not natural. Okay, but uh, you know, but it, it's something you have to do with it. 
So even if you see it and you and put your hand, oh, I'm very happy the guy did uh, had an affair. That'll teach his wife a lesson. You know, he didn't do anything. So people will suspect him of that as well. That's a sin as well. Okay. Now, however, <laughs> what? Why you supposed to? You're supposed to rebuke him. No, for any of these, I mean, for different thoughts. No, it's an avera. It's an avera, and you do get punished uh, for thoughts that you cultivate. No, but it is by base then here. Not you don't get punished by Bezdin. Hashem will punish yeah, that's you. What I'm saying. Hashem gives you. You have to do something for a Bezdin to punish you. Yeah, but Hashem yes. knows what's going on in your mind. And if you're even happy, you read in the newspaper. Ah, oh, good. I'm glad the guy did that. You're not supposed to be glad if a guy does a sin, even if you think you're justifying it for him. So therefore, there's suspicions about people. Okay, now this teaching is challenged by Rav Yaakov. Masiv Rav Yaakov, let's take a look at a Pasuk in Dvar. This, this uh, parak discusses the Averos of the ten tribes that led to their exile. And it says, it says, The children of Israel imputed things that were not so to Hashem their God. We see people are capable of entertaining suspicions that are completely unfounded, okay, that were not so. In other words, people came up with things that were mamish, nothing. Still, they got punished. So why? So Hasam Lahachi Sudavid. In that case, they acted as they did to provoke Hashem's anger. They knew that their accusations had no basis on truth. In other words, these are people who were saying bad things about Hashem, and Hashem doesn't do anything bad. The answer is they were just Lahachisniks. They were just terrible people. But generally, you won't find that within other people. Okay. Toshma. We're asked another question out of Ruben's teaching. How about this one? This is, David HaMelech is referring to the rebellion of Korach. They were jealous of Moshe in the camp and of Aaron's holy one. And what did that mean? What were they jealous about? Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzhak Amar, he explains, Every man warned his wife, that not to seclude herself with Moshe, because they suspected Moshe of transgressing. Remember this all idea of the Sota. A man has to warn his wife, don't be with this man. And then if she goes into seclusion, she could have to pass the Sota test. So what by Korach, he got a whole chevra to warn their wives not to hang around Moshe, because he's suspicious. Okay, so we have jealousy and actually warning. So therefore, they were jealous of the authority, but Rav Shmuel Bar Yisuk says they formally warned their wives to stay away from Moshe. There were suspicions. So, ah, uh, Moshe Beno, he, did, he didn't even stay with his own wife, let alone anybody else. Hasam over there, Mishum Sina Huda Ovid. They did that out of hatred for Moshe. That was completely a lie. Now, that's in other words, we're talking about what, so the original statement is saying, no, even decent people will spread rumors 
about people who didn't do anything wrong, but they thought about it. That's a that's a normal, regular kind of rumor. But th then you have these like complete fake news, right? Just saying, well, um, s somebody told me this lady said that forty years ago she was abused, uh, and she's been paid off by them to uh, in order to hurt the other person that the, she's lying about. Okay, that's just plain old Cena. So you know you can't bring a lot of proofs from what's going on today, uh, one way or the other. It's just it's just too much anger going on. Now the problem is, how do we understand such a, an egregious canard could have gained any currency amongst the people? I mean, this is Moshe Rabbeinu here. It's not just anybody else. Moshe explains the accusation was accepted because Moshe had separated from his wife. The scoffers proclaimed it was impossible for a frail mortal to abstain permanently from conjugal relations, and so Moshe must have been engaged in illicit affairs. Right? They're they're they're, they're thinking what they would do. Okay. Is Korah's rebellion after um, uh, Miriam's? Yes. Us? Yes. Okay, that's then. Okay, that's what I'm. I'm Dimrit's V offers a different explanation. When the Jewish people needed gold in order to make the golden calf, the husbands demanded the wives contribute their jewelry. The woman would not comply. On the other one, when Moshe later requested jewelry for the Mishka, they gave enthusiastically. Uh-huh. So the women, the wives, are much more interested in Moshe's opinion than the husband's opinion. In their anger, they determined to keep their wives away from Moshe, and they did by warning about the Sota. So they didn't actually suspect Moshe of adultery. They were just a way to have the women stay away from Moshe. Maybe he was giving a lady shear, and they said, I don't want you to give a lady shear, whatever. All right, so that answer, we're still not finished. Another question on Rav Ruvain's statement. Toshma, I'm Rav Yossi. Rav Yossi says, My share should be amongst those who are suspecting of something which they're innocent for. In other words, that's a great way of getting kapara. In other words, we know we've all done our errors in our lives, or whatever. We want to have some kind of kapar. Says, you know what kind of kapar I'd like? People should suspect me of something I didn't do. But if he's such a tzaddik, how could they suspect him of things they didn't do? Right? For Amar Rav Papa, well, not finish it. And further, Rav Papa says, Lididi chashtem lavavi. Guess what? I was suspected of something which I was innocent. So it shows it's possibly suspecting though you're innocent. Okay, what was the story with Rav Papa? Rav was climbing the ladder, his foot slipped on one of the rungs, and he nearly fell to his death. Rav Papa did not understand why he deserved this brush with death. Another Amora suggested that perhaps a pauper had come to him for tzedakah that he neglected to assist him. Here Rav Papa states that this was an undeserved reproach. Okay, alternately, the reference maybe to the incident cited, Rashi says, a certain Gentile woman owed Rav Papa some money. One day before Rav Papa came to collect the debt, she strangled her child and laid him on the bed. Must have been a bit of a Palestinian woman. When Rav Papa entered, she told him to sit on the bed while she would go and fetch the money. He did so. When she returned, says, you have killed my son. And Rav Papa was forced to leave the country. So that was a false claim. Okay. And Rav Papa is telling us that he didn't even think of doing a sin. For which this statement, so it said, let me be of those who I've suspected, even though I didn't even think about the sin. So what does that do to the rule? 
Well, Kasha, no, that's not a Kasha. When do we say this statement? Ha, Bekola the Pasek. This statement of Rabios and Repubbifers were rumored that stops. Okay? In other words, they start with a rumor, but then the fact checkers come right away and they dispel the rumor. That's okay. That will give a kapara, but it stops. Ruvain's statement that if, if, it's only rumors if you even thought about it, that's with a rumor that doesn't stop. Ruvain's teaching is a rumor that doesn't stop. And then because Venn's right away, it's unfounded because they just say, listen, did you just check the facts? Oh, no, we didn't. You know, they, they bombed the, the hospital in uh, Gaza. Okay, well, it depends how you want to look at it. But you could say it was it was a rumor. <laughs> and for normal people, it stopped right away. For others, it hasn't stopped. Anyway, that's the difference. And now the Gemara says, well, how do you determine that? And how long must a rumor that did not stop endure to be a rumor that's legitimate? Like, how long is long? Amr Abaya says, Amrli Aim, mother told me. Now, what does that mean? Abaya was an orphan. He often quoted the nurse that raised him as his mother. So, mommy told me, Domi Damasa Yomapalka, suspicion in a local town lasts a day and a half. So it lasts a day and a half, it probably has some facts to it. For Hanimili, but that only is the low Pusik Baini Baini, where it lasted the full day and a half and didn't stop in the middle. Of Lopusik Baini Baini, but it stopped on and off and on and off. Lesson, but that's nothing. And Vichipusik Baini Baini, and now a further qualification, but if the rumor stopped in the meantime, Lo Amran, we don't say that it was baseless. Okay? Ella only the low pasuk machmas here, except where it did not stop as a result of fear. Then we'll say it's baseless. Of a pasuk machmas fear, but the rumor stopped because they're afraid they're going to get punished. Doesn't mean it was a baseless rumor. Vlarman, we only said this el below hader navat, also where it did not spring up again with the same force as before. Of a hader navat, it springs up again. It's still a problem. We also didn't say this only if he didn't have enemies. Then we could say he must have thought about something bad. Those ones who brought it out. So therefore, it doesn't come out. This statement does not happen if people hate the person. So therefore, most rumors that the news brings out nowadays, you can't believe it at all. And it's not even a punishment because it mostly comes out out of hatred. All right. It's only if, like, honest, law-abiding citizens who normally don't speak Lashonar and have no axe to grind, if that's a rumor for a day and a half, even though nothing happened, that is a, a kapara. And we're up to the next Mishnah of further things we cannot write on Chol Hamoed. <laughs>